Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked On rooms. It's the sixth episode of my exit interview series where guests and I break down each player from this past season. We look at their strengths and weaknesses and look ahead at what happens next. Really great conversations that I've personally enjoyed, and I think you will too. So make sure you check those out if you haven't already. To help me out on today's show is a contributor to Five Reasons Sports, a growing presence on Heat Twitter with his boundless enthusiasm and positivity, and the artist formerly known as Twisted Tapioca. It's Tony Schwartz. How are you, Tony? I was wondering how you're going to introduce me. So this has been a treat. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it. I mean, I, I guess I could mention the In the Lane podcast as well. You are, you're everywhere, but you are a contributor specifically for Five Reasons Sports. I, I know yeah. you have multiple podcasts cooking at the same time. I don't know what your analogy you want to use for that, but I, I know you want to tell my listeners where they can find you. I'm sure they know you by now. You're all over the place. Yeah, you honestly, I do Twitter spaces now. I do Green Room. Um, you can definitely find me uh, at Tony Schwartz NBA for Twitter, right? That's where you're going to find me primarily. And I'm doing In the Lane two for one podcast, but mostly Five Reasons based. So make sure you follow Five Reasons Sports at Twitter. That's where you can find most of the content. Yeah, there you go. Um, you're everywhere. You're ubiquitous on Heat Twitter. So I also. Also very popular in uh, Milwaukee. Very popular in Milwaukee. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you are not as popular as I am, unfortunately. But yeah, you uh, dragged me into that one. <laughs> uh, well, today, speaking of dragging you into things, uh, I, I, you know, gave you a list of different people that we could talk about. Not much because, unfortunately, uh, most of the quote-unquote good names had already been taken. But we'll be talking about Trevor Ariza on today's show. Ariza, just a couple days shy of his 36th birthday. Played in 30 regular season games for the Miami Heat and started in 27 of those along with all four playoff games. Of course, we recall how he was acquired by the Miami Heat after having last played an NBA game on March 10th of 2020, which seems like an eternity ago. The Heat acquired Trevor Ariza almost a full year later in exchange for Myers Leonard and a 2027 second round pick. So when I asked you to come on the show, you said, Trevor was the player that you could probably speak the most about and uh, or, or have something positive to say. And I'm curious why, because I, I know this is a segment here where we're supposed to look at the positives, but what's your take on Trevor Reese's impact in Miami? Well, I just wanted to give you a good show, right? So if we were talking about names like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, I'd have two sentences and that would be the end of it. Um, uh, yeah, that's about fair. I When we got, when I got the list, I, I thought about, uh, the ways that I could talk about players that might be staying. And a lot of the people you gave me on the list, I thought might be on their way out. Ariza is one of these people where I think as the Miami heat front office is watching the success of Jay Crowder and seeing one of their exes go on to do great things. They're going to feel spurred a little bit. Um, Trevor has a lot of defensive length, size and versatility. And I don't think that's going to be something they're going to allow to walk out the door again, man. So I do, I do like Ariza on this squad. And I figured I could say some things about him. Well, maybe we'll table that segment there as far as the, the look ahead to the last segment. But as far mm -hmm. as the overall positive are concerned, that's where I was kind of leaning towards. Because I look, I mean, the numbers weren't great. They didn't really stand out. Almost 10 points per game in 30 games. Again, 4.8 rebounds per game, a steal per game, 
35% from three-point percentage. And I think that's what the, the most glaring number is because I think you you the conversation for most of the first half of the season was, whoa, boy, we miss Jay Crowder. We miss, we miss somebody who can stretch the floor the way Crowder did or at least the threat of what Crowder could provide. Olenek a little inconsistent, not really much, you know, not really able to have as big a part in the lineup as I think he would have liked or as he showed capable of being in in Houston. It's funny not to go too much into Kelly Olenek and, and that conversation there, but it's it's interesting to see how the the conversation about Olenek evolved over the course of the season. At first, he was Canadian hot trash. Everybody was just talking smack about him. They wanted him off their team. Then he goes and has a couple of big games in Houston, and everybody's talking about, oh, I miss KO. I wish Olenek was here. He would have been a big part of my, solving Miami's problems in Milwaukee. Of course, the pendulum always swings when it comes to Heat Twitter and fandom in general, but I just I found that pretty interesting. Uh, and so Trevor... I think had somewhat big shoes to fill, not because of Olenek, of course, but because of Crowder and because of the magic of last year's run. And he did okay. I think he provided what they were looking for, which was a semi-defensive presence. Uh, as you mentioned, that length, the long wingspan, a guy who was a pretty solid perimeter def defender, kind of filling the role that was vacated, not just by Crowder, but also by Derek Jones Jr., which a lot of pressure for a 36-year-old player, 35-and-a-half-year-old player to try and put up in his, what, 19th NBA season? So that's Yeah, it, and who ahead. also came in, by the way, in the middle of a season. Like, he, he wasn't right. playing basketball, right? They got him right. off the street. And I think that that talks to some of his shooting woes because he was physically prepared to play. And, and by the way, we played him 28 minutes a game. Yep. So he, he got some significant run. Like it wasn't like he wasn't a key contributor. I just feel like being off that long, that's where his game took a hit was in, in shooting. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, to your point, uh, he was working out locally in Miami. So it seemed like it was a natural fit here. He was working out with noted trainer, Stanley Remy. And uh, lo and behold, the, the incident with Myers takes place, and then certainly he's shipped out just a few days later to Oklahoma City. Obviously, a trade partner in Sam Presti that uh, Pat Riley has engaged many times over the course of their respective careers. Uh, it just seemed like it made sense. A reason was another name there. Obviously, he had sat out all of the regular season for Oklahoma City. He didn't want to report to a team that was rebuilding at 35 and a half. He clearly wanted to make an impact on a team that might have some title hopes. Um, I guess Miami somewhat fit the bill, which is why he reported to the team after they required him, acquired him in mid-March. But uh, unfortunately for Miami, it didn't quite work out that way. But uh, as far as the reason's concerned, look, he's a big body. He kind of, you, you kind of bank on his incredible NBA experience and say, oh, well, maybe he'll figure it out. I can't recall now in, in retrospect any kind of moments where he was particularly bad defensively. Like mostly I think he had a positive impact defensively. Again, there was part of the the deal to acquire Ariza. Then the hope is that you get Victor Oladipo. Miami was in the process of tweaking their roster around to be a much more improved defensive unit, particularly with a goal of being able to shut down teams like the Bucks or the Nets when they met in the playoffs. Didn't quite work out that way, obviously with Oladipo uh, missing out for most of the season, but you know, with Ariza, overall, I'd say he was a solid defensive player. You, you never really looked at him and go, oh, he's the reason why it cost you the game. Like, it, he was never – it never felt like he was the one who was responsible for a loss in Miami's favor. He's just versatile enough defensively to run different schemes at the same time. And, and part right. of the reason why I think he's coming back is literally just that mm -hmm. and the assumption that one of his worst shooting seasons was just that an anomaly. It's one of his worst shooting seasons. For instance – 
he's in 80th percentile for wings for mm-hmm. shooting the corner three, right? He's only hitting that at a 35% clip. And that's not standard Trevor Ariza. So if I'm Miami, I'm looking that I'm looking at that as like anomaly and understanding that we need to maintain uh, defensive versatility more so than ever going in the next season because we're going to have a healthier Nets team, um, a Bucks team that's a lot more experienced now, right? Like they're going deeper into the playoffs. And we're going to need guys that we can throw at these big wings. And Trevor's a name that I, I think they're going to keep because they're looking at Jay and they're missing that versatility that we had. Yeah. Um, Trevor doesn't commit a lot of fouls. He's a, like you said, you, you look at him and you don't feel like he loses you games. And that's, that's a part of the reason, right? So yeah. late in games, he's not committing fouls and he's not turning the ball over either, which is the Andre Iguodala problem. Cause when you talk about versatile wings or the two that we have on the roster, if you're picking one, you're probably picking Trevor because Trevor isn't turning the ball over like CJ McCollum, um, Carmelo, Anthony, Doug McDermott. He's in that kind of range of player that is maintaining <laughs> possession. So he's one of those guys that, like you said, he's a, a veteran defensive presence. You, you pray that he can hit that corner three. Like if there's no other shot that he takes and makes, it's that corner we'd really like for him to hit. Um, but He's a, a terrible rim finisher as well. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just God awful. He's, he's hitting like 51% at the rim, which is disgusting. So honestly, if we take his minutes down, if he's like a, uh, a 10th, 9th guy that we bring in and out of a rotation, uh, he's somebody I would like to see stay on this team. Yeah, uh, that's a, a fair point. And maybe we'll kind of table the discussion here for the next segment where we look at what went wrong with Trevor and maybe the heat themselves have some reason uh, they, they might be somewhat culpable for putting a reason in a bad spot where he might not be able to thrive and succeed the way they had hoped. But we'll talk about that in the next segment. I'm here with Tony Schwartz and you're listening to locked on heat. Well, Trevor reason might be 36 years old, but one thing that never goes old is the great taste of the best tasting protein bar ever. That's built bar nine delicious flavors to choose from. You can build your own box, a mixed box of all your favorite flavors. They're all 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're all delicious. You can mix and match. Give them away to friends and family, coworkers, wherever you like. Right? Keep them all for yourself. Enjoy all 18. I think it's a great bargain, but only if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Get all the nutrients you need. Fits so many different diets. It's a great bargain, and you'll love the taste, too. That's BuiltBar.com, and use the promo code LOCKED15. The Miami Heat are out of the playoffs, but the road to the final still continues, and our coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the game a little bit more this season. I'm here talking to Tony Schwartz, and we're talking about Trevor Ariza. 30 games with the Miami Heat, include, not including four playoff games. And the discussion before the break was about, you know, Trevor's subpar shooting over the course of his career. I'm not so sure how subpar it really was, but I, I do notice that maybe there were moments there at 28 minutes per game. And I, again, at 30, almost 36 years old, probably not ideal for him to be playing those kind of extended minutes. And and one of the things that's dawned to me in having these exit interviews over the last week or so is the conversation keeps turning around at how badly assembled this roster was, that there were glaring issues that, you know, probably should be directed at the front office. I mean, a lot of 
a lot of the dismay about the way Miami was eliminated in the playoffs is focused on the players. Jimmy failed us. You know, Bam couldn't knock down the shot or he wasn't aggressive enough and on and on and on. All these players just blew it for the, the heat. But the reality is the front office is somewhat to blame too. Do you feel that they acquired Ariza and then asked too much of him and also didn't put him in a position to succeed? And both of those things are true. Um, also, it's circumstance as well, right? Like you you have to play Trevor Ariza 28 minutes. Who is going to take that time? Andre feels older, <laughs> you yeah. know, like you're going to play Andre in that spot for 30 minutes a game. It's right. you, you really don't have a choice. Trevor's physically fit enough to do the fit the bill. Um, but maybe there, he just didn't have his legs with him. And, and that's why a lot of his shot profile was so bad. M- Miami definitely put him in a position where he, he can't succeed. He's not big enough to be on the floor against like some of the larger fours in the league. Right. Um, he, can, he just can't hold up. He doesn't foul them, which is good, but you know, he just, he can't stop them either, which is something that Jay would offer us. The conversation is always going to come back to Jay when talking about Ariza because they're d- directly comparable, yeah. but Jay would offer us a lot of size and strength and he, he could get on Giannis for a couple minutes and uh, Ariza can't really do that. And we're playing him a long time in the first place. So I, Miami's very culpable. It starts with Harkless and Bradley oh. at the beginning of the season, yeah. and it just continues down the track from there. Yeah, and look, I mean that's that's a good point. I I, I kind of oh, I totally overlooked Harkless. I mean, just not really much of an impactful player. He was hurt most of the season. The minutes that he did play, he was awful. Uh, you know, and then uh, he was traded midway through the season because he just wasn't making any kind of an impact in Miami, and he was viewed as the temporary replacement to Jay Crowder. Of, of course, the permanent replacement is on the roster, a guy by the name of Casey Okpala, but he never really seemed to embrace that role. Maybe we'll never embrace that role, but we'll save that conversation for later on this week when I, I do that exit interview as well. But as far as Ariza is concerned, just asked to do too much, not to your point, also capable of playing that same kind of defensive role because he's not as stout as, as Crowder is. Uh, you know, I just... I'm not sure exactly what else you can say other than Ariza was put into a position that he's not ideally equipped for uh, and that he just seemed to fail at, you know, and, and, you know, he had some moments here and there, but overall not a great showing from him, but you brought up the fact that he's not able to contain Giannis and things like that. And so, I mean, maybe, you know, I also kind of tie it together with the fact that Victor Oladipo, had he been healthy, you could do different things with the rotation. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, Ariza doesn't have to play 28 minutes because you can be a little bit more switchable. You can have different presence. You know, you can have a guy like Oladipo who's more of a perimeter uh, defender, a guy who can intercept the pass, and then you're not taxing a guy like uh, Ariza as much. But overall, I mean, you talk about his fit in Miami that maybe ideally he would be able to, to come back next season. But what if he's simply just not big enough? Maybe he cannot have the kind of impact that everybody's expecting him to have in Miami. So I don't really buy that as far as, um, okay, yes, if he's the primary defender, but in my perfect world, he's nowhere near being in that role if he's on the squad again, right? So Trevor Ariza, the one thing I keep coming back to, and sometimes this word gets overused without proper context, this is a versatility. What he can do is be thrown at a defender when we need to run the zone, right? If you put Trevor Reza at the top of a zone, he has, he has length, which is another word that people use all the time without context, but that literally means long arms. So he's disrupting passing lanes. 
Um, he's big. He's good at, uh, you know, deflections. He's, he's a, a great IQ player. So he puts himself in the right spots. So now we're talking about a guy that we can put on the floor on a position position list lineup mm-hmm. and he can play his own and then spoke and switch it maybe from his own to a two, two, one, then switch it back to a man, you know, and Trevor is able to stay on the floor for that while we're trying to throw different looks at a Giannis or, um, you know, this, the second coming of Blake Griffin or whatever we're, we're facing right now. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like him uh, on the team is he gives us these options that we can throw at great players. And the only thing that's going to slow down players that are at their top of the game and, and dominating is different looks and making them think more and putting things in front of them that maybe they weren't prepared for um, when they're running through practice. But you're absolutely right. He's not going to be the primary defender on any of these guys. Right. Uh, Miami still has that giant hole. I mean, there's hundreds of holes in our boat right now, but that's one of the biggest ones is when we get down there and people start to put bodies on bodies, we don't really match up well with any of the top competition. Well, looking at the the most glaring holes, either for a, a perimeter defend, defensive-minded guard that can also create Correct. and make plays uh, or – at the four, where do you think is the most egregious weakness for Miami right now? It's it's that perimeter guard. Um, I, I, the, despite what Heat Twitter would like to tell you, um, Bam is an elite defender, and he, he's definitely a max player. But what you lose with that center, four... Tony. He can't play center. Uh, get out of here with that. He, <laughs> what, what you lose at that four spot, if if we have to run Ariza back out there again, Bam does help you a lot because he's athletic enough to recover to the ball. He uh, can close out on defenders. Bam helps you at four more than what he can offer you out at the perimeter. And that's such a huge, huge hole for us. It it has to be filled. It sounds like everything's pointing towards Kyle Lowry. He changes the dynamic of the team instantly. The second he's on the floor, we're better. And I want to remind you about that four games that Victor played with us. And I wrote this down and underlined the crap out of it. But switchability. When Victor was out there, it moved everyone in the rotation down one spot, which meant that Ariza and Andre and... Uh, Mo and all these guys who um, are not Mo, but all these guys who had length, we could play them one through eight and we could kind of spread it out. We were very switchable and we were long and we were running a super aggressive point of attack trap. That whole time was beautiful, causing turnovers, making offensive, um, uh, you know, turning the, making people turn the ball over and turning that into offense and the transition. These were amazing things to watch. And I see a lot of that coming back with Kyle, although Kyle's not as long as Victor was. We can run a point of attack trap again. Kyle can hold his own out there in the perimeter. I'm just, we need that man. (laughs) No matter what we have to do, Miami has to get Kyle Lowry on this team because he just changes the whole dynamic defensively. Well, that's a good point. We'll see whether or not Miami can continue to thrive if they wind up bringing back Trevor Ariza next season. And we'll talk about that in the next segment here on Locked on Heat. Bringing Trevor back might be a gamble, but one thing that you can be sure of is bet online being the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action of bet online, but there's tons of sports action taking place with the WNBA season, the NBA playoffs, the NHL, UFC MMA fighting, and so much more. Head over to bet online on your laptop 
or mobile device. Check out all this great sporting news they have on their website and so much more. Don't sit on the sidelines. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 is presented by Locked On and Odyssey. It's featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrine and former Phoenix Suns general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. I'm here with Johnny Schwartz of Five Reason Sports, and we're talking about Trevor Ariza. And before the break, we were kind of looking at whether or not Trevor winds up coming back here. And, you know, maybe the conversation is about Lowry. That seems like the biggest Hole, as you pointed out, that Miami needs to fill on their roster, a defensive-minded presence at the guard position. They don't have that. There's a lot of – I mean, they have that with Oladipo if potentially they bring him back. But between Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Goran Dragic, not a lot of defensive strength there. So you definitely do need somebody like that. But do you think you can contend with Lowry at the one and even a placeholder like Ariza at the four? Is that enough for Miami next season? No. I mean, that's a, a boring answer, but – no, yeah. there has to there has to be another move there, um, and you have enough salary filler and pieces to make that happen. So when you when you bring on Lowry, you you solve two problems immediately, right? We have another player that can get to the line, which was a, a really big issue for us. We weren't sure. getting to the line as much as we were last year. Um, we we have a player that can facilitate in the pick and roll, which was another problem for us. I think we wanted Tyler to be that guy, but he never quite got there. And then we have a defensive point of attack person. So Kyle fills a couple holes right off the bat, but we have to find a uh, another three-level scorer in there as well. You don't need that to be a four. That can come from the two, um, but it's got to come from somewhere. And and the placeholder at four is all th- – that can happen, but it only happens if we find a three-level scorer uh, at two guard. And we have the, the salary filler and the assets to go find that guy, either at the two or the four. Oh, I think he's already on the roster. I think it's, uh, I think it's Hero. I, I, think, I, I, I mean, you disagree, obviously? Yeah. And not, not because it's not possible. I mean, the knocks on Tyler make no sense because he just had his statistical best regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, it's only two seasons. But I don't see how you can bank on that player um, – when his timetable doesn't really fit the Jimmy Butler timetable right now. Right. So if he's an asset and and you pick Tyler at 14, right. He got drafted 14th. If you can turn that into an asset that fits into Jimmy and Bam's timetable and um, they're further along in their progression, then that's a great move for Miami. They drafted a player at 14 uh, who had some intangible, you know, that he wasn't exactly full out with the intangible list and he was a great player for you last year. And if you could turn that guy into an asset, that's a good move. That's not a knock on Tyler. I would just prefer someone further along in this shot making uh, category so we can we can really get someone that that can affect the, the game in a consistent basis. You know, this isn't to kind of segue into Tyler talk, which has been so much of what's dominated Heat Twitter over the last few days. He's our best but- asset. 
Uh, you're going to talk about him. You can argue he might be our only asset, but at the same time, I just, I don't think the market is there to package Tyler with anything or anyone else into acquiring a significant upgrade. And if that's the case at 21, I think it's too much of a risk for this heat team to just ship him out for X that X might not necessarily be as good. I mean, look, I understand the whole timeline talk is, is important to get into. I also think Tyler is good enough now to be, a placeholder or even be a guy again if you're not getting an upgrade over what tyler provides because tyler and x isn't going to be enough to get you bradley beal or anybody else along those lines mm -mm. who else is the upgrade I, where else does the upgrade exist that's a significant improvement over what tyler hero can provide for you well there's players that are talked about and my favorite possible trade amalgamation is the brandon ingram trade along with the signing of kyle lowry mm -hmm. um the, the, that's something that fills a ton of gaps immediately. You get to sustain your size and length. And, so are you and, sliding and Jimmy to the two and putting Ingram at the three? I You're making it work. You're finding a way. I mean, it's, it's a Spo wet dream, right? It's positionless basketball. I So I, I don't see why not. And then Pat gets his wish too, because Bam's not constantly running DHOs over and over again. Now, now we can put Bam in a dunker spot and open it up. My, my feeling is that the Ingram talk has been widely overinflated. <laughs> uh, his biggest grievance in New Orleans is no longer there, and that's Stan yeah. Van Gundy. I, I mean, they canned him for a reason, and I think any kind of talk about, oh, maybe he doesn't fit alongside Zion. Right now, first they have to bring in a new coach, and that coach is probably going to say, yeah, I want Brandon Ingram here because he's young, because he's talented and a good scorer. You find a way to make it work. Maybe it's not the most complimentary player alongside Williamson, but you, you try to find a way to make it work. And maybe at the trade deadline, if it's clear that it's not going to be a fit and there's added tension and they're kind of already out of a playoff spot, then you make a move. I just don't see it happening this offseason. It's kind of like the same talk that's bogged down the Pacers for the last couple of seasons. It's DeMontis and Sabonis and Miles Turner. Can they work alongside? Maybe or maybe not, but they're not going to just blow it up for no reason. And they're not going to trade, you know, dollars on the penny either. They're not going to trade you your Miles Turner for your Trevor Ariza, let's say. Uh, but but coming in, coming back to Trevor and the conversation here, who knows what the Heat front office will do? My feeling is, as I've mentioned before, big changes are coming. I'm just not sure how those changes can realistically happen because there's not a lot of room for maneuverability but i've learned over time not to discount what pat riley annie ellisberg and everybody else in that front office can do but that includes whether or not you have a realistic conversation about ariza and again yeah. at 36 years old oh go ahead what were you gonna say well i was gonna say remember too that trevor ariza has we 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 not only have his early his bird rights but we have his early bird rights as well so he's one of these guys where signing him might not be as much as a detriment to the cap as just letting him walk. You, you kind of understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he just feels like one of these people who will be on the roster because we have his bird rights. And because he adds some defensive versatility, his cap number won't be as substantial as keeping um, like a Kendrick Nunn, for instance, who really doesn't do anything for trying to make this team better at the moment anyway. I think you have to renounce his rights and then try and re-sign him on a more friendly deal, which I think is something that's possible. I, I, I am no longer, I have never been a cap expert, nor do I ever claim to be because that's just really not something that I'm all that interested or in, nor is it my forte. But at the same time, uh, I think that's the next step is to renounce his rights and see if you can get him on a more cap friendly deal. Uh, but look, this is also Trevor Ariza who is 36 years old and has career right. earnings of $115 million plus over his two decades in basketball. 
Uh, he made 12 million and a half this past season, not likely to make that next season, but you pointed out the comparison to Andre Iguodala before, you know, there, that sharp decline is going to be much more noticeable uh, as players age. That's just the unfortunate byproduct of that aging. And so this version of Trevor is not going to be next year's version of Trevor uh, from let's look at it from both sides. If you are Miami, what 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 would be the incentive to bring him back and what would be the amount that you think is fair to bring him back at so it all depends and even the decline of trevor ariza it, it depends on what areas he's declining in and, and how rapidly it comes if, it, if it's if it's very clear that he and i don't know how you would know this before you talk to uh, signing him but if it's very clear that his athletic ability is it's just not going to come back and his legs don't feel like they're ever coming back under him to shoot. Then I, I there, there's no number. I'm, I'm, I'm not signing him, but I don't, I think Trevor's one of these guys that's a worker and he's going to understand what he needs to do to maintain a job in the league. Mm-hmm. And I think he knows he has to shoot. And, and that's probably where he's putting all of his time this off season. And if that's the reports that are coming back, I mean, you start talking about the biannual, you, you start talking about maybe piecing him together with the MLE because you have your mid-level and you have your biannual. So you could, you could take the MLE kind of like how we did last year and split it amongst two players. That's something that you can look at. And honestly, all, all this starts with Duncan Robinson and what happens with Duncan and if we're going to operate as a cap team or a salary team. And once you have those pieces, then it's a little easier to talk about what you're going to do with Trevor Ariza because it becomes a little more apparent. Um, but at the moment... If, if it's just pie in the sky, yeah, I'm hoping you can renounce his rights. Because I think with his escalator, if you take his early bird, it's like $16 million, So mm-hmm. it's not happening. <laughs> so yeah. you renounce his rights and see if he'll take the team-friendly deal. He loves Miami. Uh, yeah, maybe. And maybe enough. But also, you look at what would be the incentive for him to come back. I mean, maybe having been a part of it. Look, you never really want to point to a specifically disgruntled player like Mo Harkless, but you know, his comment after Miami's sweep at the hands of the Milwaukee Bucks or the hoofs of the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, you, you kind of see that maybe, dear dear. yeah, I never will. Uh, you know, <laughs> that you look at, at players and everybody assumes you go into Miami and everything's hunky dory. You're willing to do the work, but then clearly Harkless is pissed off. Like I will never get uh, you know, Harkless in a Miami heat alumnus game ever again. That's for sure. He's never going to play in Miami. He's, he's burnt his bridge out, out of his way in Miami. Uh, and maybe from Marisa's perspective, and we have no real insight as to whether or not he liked the organization or felt comfortable here. I'm sure that he felt some level of comfort because he did choose to come here from Oklahoma city, but given his age, given the fact that he's probably not going to make anywhere near what he made last year. And it's not about the money grab at this point in his career is Miami, the best position for him to just get one more year and try for a title. Cause I think that was the overall focus for him as a player this past season, why he didn't report to Oklahoma city is because he wanted to be for a contender Similarly to the question about Kyle Lowry, why would he come to Miami if Miami's not really a contender? Would Trevor Ariza bother coming back for at almost 37 years old for another season under Eric Spolstra when Miami's chances of a title aren't as great as, say, Brooklyn? Well, I dare you to tell that to Miami or to Pat Riley because I, I think they're going to try and build a contender next year. I mean, to yeah. within their ability, they're going to try and compete next year. You don't, you don't go – your team is – going to skew very old 
it, it's you're gonna have a you're gonna have Jimmy and Kyle, and you can't waste years. So you can't do this thing where you try and set up your salary cap table to work out where in 2022 where there's more free agent options and people coming available that all of a sudden now like okay now's our time now your window has to be at almost every year left on jimmy's contract um you have to attack that every single year especially if you get kyle lowry so i'm hoping that we're we're putting pieces together and trevor becomes one of those last little pieces that you get in there but because what honestly david what options at four are out there that are going to be inside the same kind of number right like yeah. who, who are we talking about at four that's going to be in inside ariza's uh possible salary number that makes sense for this squad the only names that came up with are uh you know, Laurie Markkinen, who's maybe a project and, you know, obviously what he could provide offensively is what he gives up defensively. And that's putting it mildly. Then you've got Paul Millsap also. Uh, there's the Millsap's a guy. Yeah, he is. He was a name last year, too, and he chose to resign in, in Denver. And I don't know if he wants to come back. I mean, Jamal going to miss some significant time there in Denver to start the season. Maybe he sees that window shrinking. He's like, I've got one last chance. Is Miami the team for him? I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's another os- os- aspect for him to consider. You know, similarly to Ariza, everybody well, – we'll start to see a lot more players ring chase. This kind of feels a lot like 2012 for Miami where, you know, you got Ray Allen, you got uh, Richard Lewis, et cetera. I would imagine you'll probably see much more of an influx headed towards Brooklyn next season because they are the prohibitive favorites. And I can imagine a guy like Millsap chasing a ring there for one season or even Ariza joining uh, a, a former teammate and James Harden there. So uh, that makes a lot of sense too. Uh, look, I, I don't know. I, I like Ariza. He seems like a good fit. The kind of guy that Miami likes a veteran, a worker, um, somebody who, who's pretty much focused on the game of basketball. It has been for two decades. So that, you know, feels like the right fit there. But you know, to your point, you're probably not bringing back Andre Iguodala. I can't see any world where that would happen. Um, I don't know that Udonis is coming back. My imagine, I would imagine he's retiring, but you also don't want to continue to bring back aging players, especially if they're you know taking up a roster spot for another guy. You you do that for Udonis. You don't have to do that for Trevor. And I think uh, it's more than likely to me that he's gone, um, just because I don't I don't see why you would continue to take a chance on a guy like that if he's just going to be on the bench and not really having a, a role to play. And from Ariza's perspective. It's just it doesn't make any sense to join a team that doesn't have a clear path to a title either, unless they make some significant upgrade in a roster spot and acquire a third superstar and all the right complementary right. role players and everything else, which you know is a pipe dream and not going to happen. I just don't see it. Like Miami, well, go ahead. I was going to say, or or Umer becomes uh, you know Kelly Olynyk Light. Yes. You know that's an option too. Absolutely is. It absolutely is. And you say that uh, completely facetiously, of course. Uh, Look, this is uh, the segment of our show where we do a quick self-evaluation. No need to go into it too much because I've already taken up too much of your time, but uh, you can rate yourself on a scale of one to five. You'll be playing the role of Trevor Ariza. Plus, I'll be playing the role of the heat front office. But your general quality of work, one being poor, five being excellent. How would you rate your overall level of work? Two. Trevor Reese was really bad and we needed him to be good in the places that he was really bad. Um, But he still did offer some things defensively for us. And he still, he still played very uh, veteran savvy IQ heavy defense. There you go. That says it. I think that too seems about fair. Uh, 
Good to have him out there. Wish he had been out there and actually more impactful. Uh, mm. Next category, dependability. I actually kind of skew high on this one. I think you, you know, you were out there for a guy to come in after a year absence and, and be able to come on the floor, play those various roles defensively that we asked you to play. Uh, and then, you know, we were, we were asking you at almost 36 years old to, to do a lot more than you probably expected to. Uh, I think you did a pretty good job. I, I would give you a five independability. Yes. And this is why I think you should be on the team because you can put him out on the floor in any kind of circumstance. I'm giving him a five independability too. I'm glad you skewed that high. I felt four coming, but five's definitely right. He was, he didn't play basketball for half a season and he was still out there and played almost every game. Absolutely. Knowledge of work. I mean, after 20 years, what, what would you say your knowledge of the work and the role that you had in Miami was? Yeah. Um, I'm probably rating that. I'm, I'm going to go super enthusiastic. That's a five, too. Okay. I, I am a strong IQ heavy player. Um, my, I, I filled the role that I needed to. I just could have performed. Uh, I could have, you know, hit some more shots and that, that would have put me over the top. Yeah. I, I can't say that you did anything badly. You just, couldn't do anything well either so that's that's kind of a knock on your on your this play, is but. this is pat talking right this has yeah. to be pat yeah. yeah i mean you weren't bad but you weren't good either so uh that kind of leads to the communication skills your overall personality and again i i think you fit in well you're a, a good locker room guy you fit in right away you can take jimmy's bullshit and, and kind of roll with it and, and still embrace your role here your art kind of guy. And again, after 20 years, you know how to work your way through the system. You know how to play your role. You know how to star in your role. You just couldn't star on the court, unfortunately. Well, that's painful, Patrick. Um, that really <laughs> wounded me. I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to go to the Nets. Yeah. <laughs> well, lastly, your achievement of goals here on a scale of one to five, did you achieve everything you wanted in your 34 games with the Miami Heat? No, I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he achieved anywhere near what he wanted to here at all. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell, right? Like, I, I don't. I mean, you come to Miami after you know taking a year off, and look, a part of that was for personal reasons. Part of that was also because you're in Oklahoma City and in a clear rebuilding season there. You come to Miami and you're thinking you're going to contend for a title, and you get swept in the first round. I, that's not yeah. how anybody saw it. Uh, but I imagine he's probably pretty upset. And I wonder how much that sticks in his craw and whether or not that drives him elsewhere. That's that's all I got. I don't know. I, I look at that season and it doesn't even feel like the same way that Crowder did. Like I was sure Crowder was going to leave after last offseason too. He just the way he kept talking about the the reliability of the contract and everything else. And I don't think they're in the same places career wise uh, in terms of you know Crowder being much younger than Ariza, but you know, Crowder was traded five times during his previous contract from Boston to Cleveland to Utah to Memphis to Miami. And that's, you know, you, you, you move around all the time. You have to find your role and you have to fill it the best you can, but you're getting paid regardless for Trevor. Again, he's already made his money. He, he's not worried about it. I think, uh, I think he just wants the right fit or he's happy and able to compete for a title. I just, I'm not sure that's going to be Miami. Again, I, if, if, if I had to guess, it's he's a likely either retiree or a guy who just continues to you know run locally here in Miami, and then get the the call downward somewhere down the line, similar to what Dwayne Dedman did, you know, where he's a guy who's a veteran, you know, you can plug him and play him, and you know he's going to fit in right away. You don't have to pay him a full season's worth of work, and he can contribute to a, a you know a contending team later in the season. Um, but I just don't see him coming back to Miami. I think that the, it's funny you bring up the retiree thing because we've always 
this whole time we've been talking, it's been about, you know, do you personally want to see him? Not what I think is going to happen. And it's funny you say that because I actually think there's a chance he retires after he doesn't get a contract offer at a number that he likes, because why play? You know, you're a guy that, you know, you know how to stay physically in shape. You don't have to go through the rigor or more of a training camp. You don't have to go through the beginning of regular season, which usually, you know, means not too much when you're a role player, you know, right. you're, you're there to try and compete in the playoffs and be a difference in the playoffs. If, if he doesn't get a number that he likes for Miami, he's, you know, maybe not going to retire, but he, he, he could sit out, you know, what's the point of, of playing for a team at the beginning of a season, but hopefully if Miami makes the right moves and he sees a chance for them to contend, he, he's back in the facility. Absolutely. Well, Tony, thanks again for taking the time to be on the show. And if you don't mind, please remind my listeners where they can find you and all your great work. Yeah, David, anything for you, man. Anytime you call, you can find me at Tony Schwartz NBA. That last name is S C H W A R T Z. Um, that's where you'll see all the content that I put out, you know, in the lane two for one podcast, anything that I do with five reasons, um, also follow five reasons sports network. There's a lot of cool stuff coming up. Uh, I'll be doing an interview uh, sometime that's after summer. That's debatable. You know, I, you know, if you bring me on here, this is the kind of thing that I have to do. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I have an interview coming out, uh, with Mike Prada. So there's going to be some good basketball talk that's happening after I go to summer league. And, you know, I I'm, I'm always here for locked on too, man. Anytime you need me, you give me a call. I'm, I'm here. I should have I should have brought you on board when I had the chance. Not that I have the capacity to do so, but yeah, I was about to say I don't think I don't think that's your, your money decision. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I'm not the hiring expert. I wish I had Indeed.com, or else I could have filled the role much more uh, quickly, and I probably would have added you to the locked on team. Unfortunately, not my uh, ballywick, not within my realm of responsibility. But again, thank you so much, Tony. I really do appreciate you taking the time. And just a reminder to all my listeners, if you want to reach me, you can do so via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com. You can always shoot me a direct message via Twitter or send uh, a message just using the hashtag AskLOHeat. And of course, please be sure to follow the show and leave a review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting the show. Special thanks again to Tony for being on today's show. And a thanks to all of you. I'm David Ramil, signing off for now.